0: Welcome to The Read Along,
1: a mini book club for your ears.
0: I'm your host Scott.
1: I'm your other host, Anita.
0: And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. time. Do you like talking about movies? do you like talking about mediocre movies do you like talking about how you could have fixed mediocre movies well I certainly do and you can listen to me Scotty Bourgeois along with my co-hosts Greg Beaver and Liam Kreswick as we give our notes and I have some notes you can follow it now on your podcatcher of choice or support it by visiting patreon.com slash I have some notes this is episode which is pre-recorded for you. Uh, while you're listening to this we are finishing a little out-of-town vacation.
1: I'm sure we've had a lovely week.
0: Hopefully yeah. <laughs> so this one was actually recorded last week.
1: We come to you from the distant past of a week and a bit ago. Yes
0: where we read a chapter and then recorded and then read another chapter and recorded because no cheating yeah so but this one does fall pretty close on the heels of the previous chapter recording wise which is unusual usually we do like leave a week between our episodes so
1: because that's that's
0: how we do indeed but uh we needed to get one in the can for while we were away so that it would come out as per normal Uh, uh, social media blasts about it will be late (laughs) Because eh. those will have to wait till I come back. But the episode will land at its usual time. Yeah. So which is Friday morning ish, depending on where you are.
1: Yeah. So despite all of our talking about it, dear listener, hopefully you've noticed nothing.
0: Well, you will have noticed something because we've explicitly been talking Doesn't about mean, it. Does not mean yeah. apart
1: from us talking about it <laughs> <laughs> if you're just look if you're just scrolling through your podcasts, no blips.
0: No blips. There has never been a blip to the best of my knowledge. Maybe a day or two one way or the other. But we've, we've been... never missed a weekly episode.
1: I want to say we've been early and or late before, but never missed. Yeah,
0: we have yet to miss an episode. And we are almost at 300 episodes.
1: Good for us.
0: So almost 300 weeks continuously since we started. I'm impressed with us. Yeah, we're, uh, we're a very long-lived podcast that very few people have heard about <laughs> or know Uh Because we're very niche, which is okay.
1: That's okay. We love our niche market.
0: Here's the thing. Uh, we have a friend, Devin, whom we love very much. And he had a podcast, which he, I don't know if he's ever planning to bring it back, but for a while he had a podcast called Scotch and Comics.
1: It was a delight.
0: Where he would pair a comic with a dram of scotch, and then he would drink the scotch and read the comic, and then he'd come back and he'd rate the two of them. Yes. And he'd do, like, I think he'd do a couple comics per episode.
1: <laughs> I want to say he'd do two or three. Yeah, so yeah. he
0: would get progressively drunker as he went. Just a little. Um, And it was also a very niche sort of podcast. Recently, there was, like, a keynote speech at this big podcasting event where the keynote speaker brought up Devin's podcast, very surprisingly. Because, again, Devin had a very niche podcast with a small listenership, but the guy's argument was... Essentially, and this is great podcasting advice, which I'm paraphrasing. I I don't remember the guy's name, so I'm not going to say that I'm quoting him verbatim. And I'm definitely not quoting him verbatim. But essentially, his thesis was this. You don't need to be a podcast for everybody. You just need to be someone's favorite podcast.
1: Yeah, you could be somebody's favorite podcast.
0: Yeah, you might have six listeners, but you might be those six listeners' favorite podcast. And to my mind, that's a great rubric. If we are someone's favorite podcast, we're doing someone a service. And pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, I'm okay with it. If you've been here for 300 episodes, almost (laughs) 300 episodes, thank you for listening. We appreciate it.
1: Bless your ears.
0: Indeed. But uh, that said, we're on vacation. (laughs) so (laughs) Also, pre-recording this. So let's get into it with a brief recap of our previous chapter. Chapter 13 of our novel, in which the Queen... Uh, Gets kind of a confirmation from Prince Philip that MI5 is probably barking up the wrong tree in regards to whom they think might have been responsible for the murder that took place. And then takes some time to get a little update from the official investigation from the commissioner of the police. Where she
1: plants a few seeds. Yeah, subtly plants a
0: few seeds in order to ensure that the investigation starts to maybe steer in the right direction. And that leads us into chapter 14 of The Windsor Not* by S.J. Bennett. Now, I assumed that last chapter we were going to smash cut to Rosie and her secret mission. And in fact, this chapter yes. we smash cut to Rosie and her secret
1: Rosie mission. Rosie and her secret
0: mission. And we find out what her secret mission is. And it is to send basically gift baskets... To the two people who were taken off of their work and put on leave. Yeah. Because they're under suspicion of being Russian spies.
1: Except this is over in the UK, so they're lovely hampers.
0: Yes. It's a gift basket. It also is explicitly just from like the private office. The private, the office, private office, office. office. As a token, because of the, obviously, the grave inconvenience that this yes. has caused.
1: Apologies it, for the inconvenience. Yes. Here is a thoughtful hamper.
0: Yeah, just to... Of, of treats. Of, of treats to kind of smooth things over a little bit, but it is explicitly not from Her Majesty, but it is, wink, from it's Her absolutely Majesty. from Her Majesty. Yeah.
1: I loved this. I loved the idea of this. Rosie is very explicit in saying that it is from the private office. It's yes. from the office. It is not from the Queen. And everyone's like, right.
0: Yeah. Wink. Both of them are picking up what she's explicitly not laying down. Uh, Especially because the gift basket for Sandy, the queen's page.
1: Yeah, the one who brought her tea.
0: Yeah, includes a very thoughtful gift that could only have come from the queen.
1: Yes. She puts in, I, I love this, it was a blank card, like there was no message in it. Nope. It was just a card with a very specific flower on the front that he had mentioned was his wife's favorite flower, Yes. And the queen remembered that seven years from later. Seven years ago yeah, he... when the queen mother died. And I was like, okay, this is brilliant. Yeah. Because this is the queen's way of saying,
0: This is from me yeah. without explicitly saying this is from me, which would be against decorum.
1: of course. Yeah. Also, it delivers the message that I don't believe any of this. Yeah,
0: that she she cares.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that she's on their side and everything will be fine. This will get sorted out and then you can come back home and we can all be in the castle together again. Yeah. Right? Like all of that, all of that deep messaging wrapped into one gift basket. A
0: gift basket with some like marmalade yeah, and some one like cookies. Well
1: chosen incredibly thoughtful gift basket. Yeah. I was so impressed. And
0: he's clearly touched by it Yes, as well. it was very um, sweet. It's very meaningful. I also like that he hasn't been just like wallowing since he got removed from his position under suspicion of being a Russian spy. Rosie's legitimately like, oh, he's been working out. He's been keeping himself active. Mm-hmm. Like he's trying to keep his spirits up, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Especially because neither him nor Adam Dorsey Jones,
1: who was the archivist, who
0: also was relieved of his duties under suspicion, um, really know fully what they're under investigation for. They just know they're in trouble. And Adam Dorsey Jones, at the very least, whom she meets up with second with his own gift basket, is savvy enough to recognize that he's under suspicion of espionage. Yes. Because he's like, I studied Russian literature, I'm an archivist with the castle, and I have a Russian boyfriend. Yes. So clearly <laughs> they think I'm a spy. Like yeah. that I'm aware of the situation.
1: And then my favorite part is he he looks at the basket, looks at Rosie. He's like, okay, I get it. Come in, sit down. Yeah. And he basically puts out like, this is silly. And this is why. Yeah. He explains why there's no way he would be a Russian spy.
0: Well, yeah, because as a fan of Russian literature, he's not endeared to the Russian state. No, exactly. Which has not been kind to Russian literary yeah. figures. Yeah, and he
1: specifically talks about, like, this specific period of uh, art, that right? That Where he studied, yeah. That he studied. And how the Russians are like, they didn't look kindly on that, which is his specialty. Yeah. Like, he is no friend. To the Russian state. No. Right? So the odds of him being a spy are slim to none. He knows it. And I think somewhere deep inside, he knows that they just need to finish up and prove him innocent and then everything will be fine again.
0: This is all just procedure. It'll get sorted out. Everything will be fine.
1: Yeah. Like she genuinely cares about her staff. She recognizes that her castle, all of her castles, all of her staff are all people. They're not just cogs in the machine. They're not just faceless servants. She is not so far above them that she doesn't see them. Yeah. Like, yes, she's the queen, but these are her people and she cares about them and they care about her and they all look after each other. And that's what she's trying and to do here. And it's wonderful. The queen
0: is looking after them in the moment the only way she can. Like, she can't make the investigation go away. No. But And she can't officially send them gifts, but unofficially.
1: Yeah, exactly. She can
0: go and be like, hey, I recognize this is messed up. We're working on
1: it. Yeah, She's got this workaround and she's going to use it. She's very smart. I love how smart she is, our detective queen. I love it.
0: Now, Adam Dorsey Jones does kind of sit down with Rosie and more or less explain what he was doing at the castle that night. Yeah. And there is a bit of an info dump here and it's been like sitting with me. And I don't know why exactly. It just, it feels like maybe there's a tidbit of information in there. That is important somehow. Like we've been given a puzzle piece, but I don't know what. You don't know where it goes yet, or where it goes. Yeah, just something about why he was there is sitting with me, and I don't know why. Because mm. he was—he's—he was putting together an official report. Because he had—he uh, uncovered some long lost papers from George II, which we—I think we already knew about.
1: Maybe. I don't remember if that was mentioned earlier or not.
0: He'd been working late. He mentioned that he missed his boyfriend's birthday party, actually, to be at Windsor Castle, and that he was giving a report to some visiting dignitaries about a week or two ago. Oh, okay. So again, I don't know how that fits into things, but it feels like a throwaway information dump that maybe we're meant to keep in the back of our minds. Maybe. Could be nothing. I could just be reading into something.
1: Could be a complete red herring. Who knows?
0: Something Nita and I discussed before going live on mic was actually how... When you're reading a detective story, it's interesting because any information that the author saw fit to put in the story could be important information. And part of the puzzle is kind of trying to pull the threads and figure out what is the important information, what's the not important information. Right. Part of the setup. So, the again, S.J. Bennett thought it was important enough to put that information in there. Is it just so that we get a clearer picture of what his alibi is and can discount him? Or does he know something that he doesn't know he knows? And he just gave Rosie yeah, that advice.
1: and now Rosie knows it, kind of, sort of. Yeah. Right.
0: But doesn't necessarily know that she knows.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Got, yeah, clear as mud. Got it?
0: <laughs> Great. Having delivered the care packages yes. that she was sent to deliver to two probably innocent men who had nothing to do with this murder, Rosie hops back into her mini cooper <laughs> and begins making her way back to the castle because, of course... She has to be back by three. She has to be back by three.
1: This is a day off. She has to be there by three.
0: <laughs> exactly. Another day off that she's taken so that she can actually do work for the queen on the DL. <laughs>
1: I'm I'm under the impression though that this is like a regular day off as opposed to a oh my mother is sick <laughs> excuse
0: like this might be Saturday for her or something maybe could be but either way she's once again spending a day off doing unofficial work for yes. the queen. But she starts heading back, which actually just to I'm going to stop my own sentence mid
1: mid sentence mid
0: sentence there. Shows how much Rosie does like and respect the Queen. Oh, yeah. That she's willing to lie for her, that she's willing to go out of her way for her. That's loyalty.
1: Yeah. Uh, she mentions in an earlier chapter that all she has to do is mention that she works, like, for the Queen. Not the palace. And, and doors open Not the royal for her. family. Yeah. The Queen, specifically. And there's this magic dust around that. Yeah. That just, everyone's like, oh, yes. She's, the with,
0: she's with the Queen's private office. Please come this way. Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: Everyone's like, ooh.
0: But yes, she's dropped off her packages. She starts heading back to the castle. And as she's making her way through traffic, she happens to catch the news over the radio, as you do. And possibly important bit of information drops. Yeah. So amidst the other news, uh, we learned that there was two cocaine overdoses involving...
1: Two uh, city analysts.
0: Yeah, that happened either at the same time or back to back recently the reason why this brings rosie's attention to a screeching halt basically is because one of the two analysts who died was someone else who was at the dine and sleep yes specifically it is someone by the name of
1: rachel styles
0: yeah and she is with golden futures yeah Um, which is an
1: investment firm
0: uh there was another a 37 year old man named javier uh, who worked with Citibank, but specifically Rachel Styles with Golden Futures. And the reason it jumped out is because Rosie remembers Golden Futures specifically.
1: Yeah, because it, it jumped off of the list. Like, it was something she noted.
0: Yeah, and the only reason she knew Rachel Styles was there was because she was on the master list that the household had put together of all of the guests who yeah. were there.
1: All of the people who were there that night.
0: Yeah. Right. And Rachel Stiles was in the building at the same time that Brodsky was murdered she wasn't however on the queen's list of guests because the queen runs down all the people she had specifically invited that night for the party
1: yeah so she wasn't invited to the party but she was at the castle
0: it's also possible she was at the party but that she was a guest of a guest
1: oh like a plus one yeah yeah yeah
0: like we don't know for sure But we do know she was there that night. And the reason, of course, this brings Rosie's attention to a screeching halt and why she's suddenly, like, focused on this is because this means that there's a second person who's dead who was at that party.
1: Right. And if you know it was actually a murder and not an accidental suicide... And
0: now there's an accidental cocaine overdose. Right?
1: It's a little sus, don't you think?
0: It is a little sus. Is that an incredible coincidence or...
1: Is it another murder? Is it another murder? It's a hundred percent
0: linked to something that happened.
1: Hundred percent is another murder. Another murder staged to look like an accident.
0: So this opens up a whole slew of new questions. And unfortunately, doesn't necessarily exonerate Sandy or Adam as potential suspects. No. Because if she was killed out of the castle, they're both out of the castle right
1: now. Yeah, which is what our murderer should have done in the first place. But that's a whole separate conversation.
0: Indeed. But it does bring up further questions. Was Rachel somehow linked to Brodsky? What motivation could uh, have resulted in both of them dying? Because they seem so dissociated from one another. Yeah. Brodsky's like, like uh, a Russian descended piano teacher. And Rachel Stiles is... Uh, an, a, like, city a city analyst for an investment firm. <laughs> exactly. So what do the two of them have in common? And I'll admit, and I'm just going to put this out there. My first thought was, was Rachel his ex-girlfriend? And it's We don't only, know. It, that's... That's me weaving something completely out of the blue. But it was literally just my mind trying to make a connection between the two
1: and of them. realistically, that would be the only connection... That would be the only connection I could see.
0: Because they're both roughly the same age. She's 27. Brodsky was in his early to mid-20s.
1: Yeah, that sounds right.
0: And on paper, the only thing I could think of that could connect the two, right off the top of my head, is we know that Brodsky has an ex-girlfriend we know nothing about. And then this woman ends up dead, who's roughly the same age as him, who was also in the castle that night... Could she have been the ex-girlfriend? What a, an amazing coincidence that the ex-girlfriend and Brodsky were both in the castle that night. Right. But again, that's me, like, literally just fumbling for a connection between the two of them. It might not be that they are that there's any relation that we know of.
1: Well, and then there's no evidence that they interacted at all.
0: We know that Brodsky was in a place he shouldn't have been at some point. Yes. But we don't know why he was there or who he may have been with. I had also uh, kind of thought... If this woman has now died and it's connected to Brodsky's death, was Brodsky targeted because he was in a place he shouldn't have been and overheard something he shouldn't have? Maybe? Because one of the big motives for murder, money. She's a city analyst with an investment fund. We know there's a lot of rich oligarch people at the castle that night. Did Brodsky overhear something money-related that he shouldn't have that resulted in him getting murdered? That she was privy to that resulted in her being murdered?
1: Right? But then why why this other person?
0: Well, we don't we don't necessarily know why he was also targeted if targeted, but we can presume for the same reason she was. There's something involving money going on. Yeah. That maybe Brodsky overheard. It then it it's maybe. still that's still that arithmetic still goes even if uh Rachel and Javier were both targeted for the same reason.
1: Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah. All
0: right. Um which leads us back to the money people. Yes. Which are the Peyrovskis, specifically uh Yuri Peyrovsky. Uh-huh. Uh, but also, we don't know anything about Jay Hacks, his investment hedge fund manager friend, who he brought, who we've had name dropped a few times, but know nothing about.
1: No, I can't help but wondering if there's a connection between uh, Jay Hacks and Javier. Maybe. For a brief second, I thought it might be the same person using a pseudonym, but I don't. Uh, I don't have a lot of grounds for that. Yeah, that's me grasping at straws. And I don't, I don't see it.
0: Yeah. We don't. Realistically. We don't know much at the moment. We've been dropped a new piece of information as a hook to end part two. Yeah. And we just don't know anything about it yet.
1: So the next piece of information we need, I think that'll be really important, is whatever the connection is between Rachel Stiles and Maxim Brodsky. Yeah. For, for real. Like you've speculated that maybe they were dating. We don't know that for sure. We need something, like something solid needs to come up and we'll go, aha.
0: And, and again, to reiterate, that's just me fumbling for a possible, a possible connection. Yeah. Yeah, we, know, yeah. we know he had an ex-girlfriend. A woman in his age range ends up dead. They could have been dating. It's Who possible. Knows? Who, Who knows? knows? So that's kind of where we're at. And I think that's a good point maybe to end before we start getting into any more baseless speculation. (laughs)
1: It's true. Also, this is the end of part two.
0: As I said, yeah.
1: Yeah, on to part three now.
0: Yeah, so you're going to want to get into that for next week. That would be chapter 15 and the beginning of part three, Belt and Road. Ooh. Read up on that in time for next week. In the meantime, of course, as always, you can give us a little rating and review on your podcatcher of choice because it helps us out.
1: Yeah, also, we appreciate that kind of stuff. It's nice.
0: Yeah. Uh, We are... Reachable via social media.
1: Absolutely. Currently, we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at the readalong, so we try to be easy to find.
0: Indeed. You can also send us an email.
1: Oh, we would love that. We are thereadalong at gmail.com.
0: And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time
1: when we get back from vacation. Love you. Bye.
0: Thank you for joining us on The Read-Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois. All Read-Along music is by Kevin MacLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read-Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com.